1: Hello, everyone. You know, I always want to say like good morning or good afternoon, but I never know what time people are listening. So I don't say that. I could do like, um, oh gosh, what's his name? Um, I can't remember the movie where he says good morning, good afternoon, and good night. Anyway, okay. So I want to talk about frustration in parenting today because we all know that this is a very common emotion on the parenting journey. Because it's a very close, it's an intimate relationship, we put a lot of time, energy, hope, care, love, and of course money and more into raising our kids. So this creates a lot of room for frustration, for expectations when they're not met, we're wondering what we're doing wrong, we're wondering why they're not listening. So while we cannot avoid all frustration, there are some things we can do to avoid or minimize frustration in many scenarios. When we can minimize frustration, it means we can increase the joy and enjoy the journey so much more and, of course, increase connection. So these are my list of things or a beginning list of things that you can do to rise above frustration and avoid and minimize frustration in parenting. Number one, carve out time in your schedule for yourself. So parents who take time to nurture their own needs, their physical, mental, emotional, intellectual, spiritual needs are better parents hands down. They're able to stay more calm and set an example of how to set boundaries around their own needs. And this is actually an area of breaking patterns of codependence that I've talked about in previous episodes. So what does this look like with a newborn? Well, it doesn't, (laughs) sorry to say. In all seriousness, those first three months are the one time where we just get through and we go with the flow of our baby, letting them eat on demand, sleep on demand. Days and nights for some newborns do get mixed up. This is what we call the fourth trimester, those first three months. This is when baby is transitioning from womb to world, when everything was on demand in the womb. They could eat, they could sleep, they could move. Not great, but they could move on demand, right? So, and I don't know about you, but I actually remember those nights my babies were active in utero, kicking and flopping. Boy, I remember that, flopping side to side. My whole belly was just like a bowl of jello moving all over when I was trying to sleep and they were ready to play. So these first three months is just that. It's a transition, and it's a big transition as you can imagine. As they grow bigger and develop rapidly, their stomach will expand to hold more food. They'll start to settle into day and night patterns. They'll sleep for longer stretches at a time. After these first three months is when it can start to get a little easier, to start to reconnect with your needs and your, of your sleep, for time with friends. Not that you can't do that before three months, but it starts to get a little easier after three months when things are settling into patterns, sleep patterns, eating patterns, etc. So now this will be different for everyone. Some of these may be big yeses for you and others are like, not at all, it's not something I need to add into my schedule. But here are just some ideas of things you may want to consider figuring out how to schedule time for them. And I'll talk about this by age. So this will increase throughout the years. So exercise. Even if you aren't a big fan of exercise or some movement, a walk, especially if you can get the time to do it on your own, 20-minute walk will do wonders for your mental and emotional and physical well-being. So I was and still am really big into exercise. So this was something I carved out time for as early as possible. But I'll admit, I usually did my runs and walks pushing a triple-wide stroller with all my kids when I was home with them but i probably would have been better off trying to get just a few sessions a week by myself that time to not be worried about a baby crying what they were needing my older son you know grabbing a baby's hair or something like that i think i just saw the weight of the stroller as a better workout i don't think he actually ever grabbed their hair but you know who knows but you're always concerned about their well-being and you can't just be by yourself but I think mentally and emotionally, so a few sessions alone might have been an even more important aspect to my health than trying to push more weight with the stroller. The Truman Show, that's what it's called, The Truman Show. Sorry, that was going to bug me until I got that. I don't know if you've ever watched that, but if you have, he was born into like a reality TV series where they just kind of followed his life and he actually lived on a humongous TV set. And he I don't know why, but he would always say this, good morning, good afternoon and good night, something like that every day it was cute as only jim carrey can okay time with friends just because you're a parent doesn't mean you're supposed to give up your friends yes if you have kids the same age that's awesome it definitely makes it easier to plan getting together but we all know that having adult conversations with kids around i don't care what age they are it's pretty much futile at least until they're up to around six or seven and even then Interruptions are quite common. So planning an outing alone just for coffee or a walk, even better, every parent deserves an evening out with friends and or their partner every few weeks. It's rough early on, but it does get easier. So planning for that is really important for your mental and emotional health. Goals. Just because we have kids doesn't mean they are now the only ones who get to learn and grow. Growing and learning is a lifelong process. This may be harder during the earlier years, but if you have a goal, whether it's furthering your education, learning a new skill of any kind, whether it's painting or singing, rock climbing or tennis, you name it, do your best to figure out how to get it on your calendar and make some time for it. It's great for your self-esteem, your mental health. It avoids feelings of resentment of giving up your life when you become a parent. And it's inspiration to your kids if they're old enough to be aware of your endeavors. Now, my kids weren't old enough at the time, but I started back from my master's degree when my oldest was a year old and I was pregnant with the twins. So I started the program while they were literally right as we conceived them. And then I graduated when they were about a year old, which was actually very cool. I was able to, you know, I was pregnant during the first nine months of the program and then after they were born, I was actually able to bring them to class with me. It was a very progressive school. So I was able to, I would just bring one baby at a time. I wasn't going to try to manage two babies in, uh, during a class day. It was all day class on Saturday. So I would bring one infant one week and one infant the next week. I could breastfeed right in the middle of class. So if this is something that's really important to you, that you really want to set a goal and you want to go for it, There's always a way to do it. Figure it out and get that on your schedule. Make some time for that. What's also really cool about this is that as your kids age, these can actually give you some common interests. My son and I have done open water swims together. He used to ride his bike alongside me when I ran, starting when he was about five up until he was about eight or nine. My daughter and I now ride horses together, and we're pretty close to the same um, skill level. So it's really an amazing opportunity to bond. I have a friend who is a big outdoorsman, and his son is now uh, 12, 12. And he's been doing stuff with his son since he was tiny, taking him on little hikes and taking him on uh, rock climbing, teaching him how to rock climb. This has just been their bonding since his son was really small. So it's amazing the things that we can um, work with our kids and create this amazing bond around something when we have interests and we're growing too. Okay, the next tip, the next tool, understanding development. Knowing what to expect and common behaviors and limitations at each age will greatly reduce frustration. So you aren't expecting a two-year-old to share or a three-year-old to say sorry and actually mean it. Sometimes they'll say sorry, but usually it's just rote. It's just something they say because they think it's an expectation. They don't have an understanding behind it. So they don't actually mean it and you can hear it and that's, frustri- that's frustrating for parents when they're like, sorry. Or they'll just go, they'll do it and then immediately they'll take the toy but say, sorry. So they're just doing it as a reaction, not as an actual meaningful gesture. In the same vein, I see a lot of parents who get really frustrated around potty training. There's a lot of pressure, it feels like, on parents to get kids potty trained. And the relapses and the accidents can be very frustrating. But when we understand it's a developmental process, that different kids will be ready at different times, once we know the signs to watch for and then work with our child's stages, it can save So much frustration. Now, I'm actually going to talk about another episode I did a little while ago. I wish I had the number off the top of my head, but you could probably do a search for it. I talked about working with your child's development. So, I think if you just search for that, working with your child's development, you'll see the episode pop up. That can remove a lot of frustration because there are times in development where they're ready to learn and do particular things. And when you do it within that window, it can save a lot of frustration. Okay, so those are our first three sets of tips and tools. I have four more tips for rising above parental frustration when we get back after word from our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by By Heart. By Heart is an infant nutrition company whose mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, Parenting for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions
0: apply. Now that
1: we're back, let's get into the next four tips. Okay, number four, get proactive about problem areas. So you'll see patterns in behavior. So you'll see problem areas that you see are coming up. So whether it's interacting with friends at a play date, whether it's getting ready in the mornings, whether it's getting to bed at night, whether it's staying put for mealtimes and eating enough food or nutritious food before they get down from the table, whether it's putting their toys away. You will see these patterns in behavior in areas that where you're really struggling. When you have an area that is ongoing and you see it happening for two, three, four days in a row, Then we wanna get proactive about it. We wanna problem solve that area. What is it about this that isn't going well? How would I like it to go? What would I like to see happening instead of the way it's going right now? What reaction would I expect to get? And so you're gonna work on that. So for bedtimes, you're gonna work on a bedtime routine. You're gonna work on learning about bedtimes and putting a child down to sleep and how to work with them to learn the boundaries of bedtime and staying in bed and what's expected and working through that process so that you can have those evenings to yourself. Freeze up time, that relieves so much stress that actually removes so much stress that it cuts down a lot of frustration in other areas because you're getting time in the evenings to do what you need for yourself. So these are positive feedback loops. So once you solve a problem, you're moving into a positive feedback loop, you're lessening frustration in one area, which leaves you more energy and to be calm and work through other areas. Okay, understanding your child's temperament and your own temperament. These are really helpful. So there are nine traits of temperament that I have covered in my class that I do on my website. There are some who say there's four, there's some who say there's as many as 21. That's a lot of temperament traits to try to keep track of, but, but the nine traits are nice middle road and don't break them down into such minute um, groups that they're pretty easy to understand and follow. So understanding your temperament and your child's will understand where you may have some more frustration because they have a different temperament than you, and then how you can work with that. Just understanding, wow, they're really high energy, highly active, whereas I'm someone who kind of likes the things quiet. I like to sit and read. I don't really need a lot of movement in my life, but they do. So how can I manage that? Maybe we can go to the park, I can sit and read a book, and they can climb on the equipment at the park. It allows you to problem solve that in a way that gets both needs met. How you can make some allowances for their temperament being different. So if you're curious about that, you may want to check out that class. It's uh, called Your Child's Unique Temperament. It's on the website at yourvillageonline.com, but that can be really helpful. Also, The next tip is understanding that when your child is struggling with feelings, with emotions, with behaviors, with reactions, you want to remind yourself that if your child had better skills, she would be using them. Children, especially small children, they have these reactions because they're just overwhelmed with feelings. They don't know how to exhibit their emotions in a different way. So this puts you in a mindset to problem solve, to teach, rather than react. Even if you know she sometimes does have better skills, and she does have better behaviors, she's struggling in that moment. So you wanna problem solve, why might this be happening in this moment? Because we all have days like this, and times when we handle things better than others, even as adults. If we've had multiple stressors in a day, we got a flat tire on the way to work, we got there late, we were late for the meeting, now we're already stressed, then we had some run-in with a coworker, And then we find out that a friend or a family member is sick, we've had days like that. We're really likely not going to handle things nearly as well as we would on a day where things went much smoother. It's the same with kids. Kids can have bad days too. And so they're going to react different on different days. And so tuning into that. So I have a story about my daughter. I shared this in another podcast, but in case you haven't heard it, or just as a reminder... There was a day I came home and she hadn't done the stuff she was supposed to do. I think she was supposed to clean out the dishwasher and there were, had a couple other um, jobs she was supposed to do. And, and I had reminded her a couple of times. I was a little annoyed. I got a little annoyed with her. And the way that she reacted to me, I could tell that something was going on. And so I felt bad because first of all, I should have checked in first, but it's a learning process, right? Like I was annoyed. I'm the mom. She, I asked her to do stuff. She hadn't done it. But I realized, like, I should have checked in and at least gotten a a litmus test about where she was before I started getting on her about her jobs. But I could see, like, the tears in her eyes welling up in her eyes. And I was like, oh. And I said, did you have a bad day? And she shook her head yes. And I said, do you want to talk about it? And she said yes. So we went out on the back patio. And we sat down and talked about it. And there were just some things that happened, exchanges that happened with some kids at school that day. And with the teacher and some other stuff that I don't remember, I think maybe she didn't do so well in a test, but there were a couple of things and she just had a bad day. So we sat down and we talked it through. And then I was able to talk to her about getting her jobs done. But checking in and seeing what's going on, why is my child acting this way right now when she does act and behave better sometimes? Then if you're seeing patterns of behavior that are continually not what you were, where you would like them to be, then you're going to do that problem solving like I was talking before. Okay, the last tip I have, take time to become aware of your triggers. What is it that really bothers you? What are the behaviors, the actions, or the lack of action that really bothers you? Where does it stem from? What is it about that that bothers you so much? Is it a misunderstanding of what's behind the behavior? Is it your child's behaving in a certain way and you're just not understanding why they're behaving that way or that it's a developmental thing? Is it an expectation of a behavior that's realistic? If it is a realistic expectation, how can you problem solve and help your child fix it and do better? If it's not realistic, if you are expecting something beyond their development, how can you adjust your expectations until your child is old enough to be more responsible or take care of things in a different way? Okay, so here's a couple of examples. So one example might be when a preschooler reacts aggressively to big emotions. So a lot of parents get frustrated by this because sometimes it's that we're just trying to get things done and we feel like we have to constantly intervene. And I have parents come to me and say, I've coached them. I've coached him so many times and he's still reacting. Well, that's because he still doesn't have the skills. So. And it does take time. And there's ways to work with this emotional development and emotional skills outside of that moment. So taking that time to do that outside of that moment. So first we wanna talk about, is it realistic? Well, it depends on the age. But up to about the age of four, and even sometimes a little bit past the age of four, kids are still gonna react aggressively sometimes. They're going to forget even if they do have the skills, they have the behavior they still might react aggressively. So continuing to work on that, just knowing that this is part of the process and that it will get better. If you have a two or three-year-old, especially early threes, then chances are that the expectation just isn't realistic, that it's something you need to keep working on. But making a plan, working on that, working on those emotion skills, tons of things you can do for that. So making that a priority. Another example might be, okay, I'm going to use something really simple here because sometimes, it's the simplest things that can trigger us. So let's just use something like, your child keeps leaving their shoes in the middle of the living room. You've explained to them so many times, they need to put their shoes away or put them in the closet. So for whatever reason, this is something that just really bugs you. So one is figuring out what that is. What is that trigger? You know, is it because you feel like you're disrespected? Do you feel like they just don't respect you, so they're not listening? So, working on that, okay, why do I feel disrespected? What is it about that? And is it because it's coming in from other areas? Am I feeling disrespected in other areas? And this is just another area where I'm just not being listened to? Because chances are it's not out of disrespect, it's really just short attention span. It hasn't become a habit. So, thinking about is this realistic? Well, you know, if it's a five, six, seven-year-old, it's pretty realistic to expect that your child could remember to put their shoes away. So working with them on that and coming up with a plan and to fix that. So um, like in our house, if the kids leave their shoes out, the dog will get them. That's just what happens. So they go to find their shoes and they're not there. Or the dog grabs the shoe and runs outside and I'm like, your dog just got the shoe. Well, there's a consequence in our house for leaving your shoes out, it's kinda good. (laughs) So they have to run outside and chase the dog down to get their shoe back. Actually helps them remember to put their shoes away. Um, In your house you may not have that helpful reminder. So if you take the shoes and put them up and then they can't find them the next day and they have to wear something else, That's one way to deal with that problem. Of course, working with that beforehand, especially if they're a little older. You may not want to do that at five. You might do that at seven, eight, beyond. If I find your shoes in the living room, I'm going to take them and put them up. You're going to have to wear something else to school tomorrow. Something, you know, a smaller pair of shoes that don't fit so well, something like that. But working on that, how are you going to remind your child? How are they going to remember? And sitting down and problem-solving that and helping them uh, do better. Now, one of the big ways of doing that also is to actually follow up with them. So when they come in, it just takes some intention. So say this is something you really want to fix. You're like, I want to fix this. I'm tired of this. I want to set up this really positive behavior going forward. You're going to take a little bit of time for a week or two to really get this habit going. So when you come in the door or when they come in the door, you keep an eye on them. You kind of watch. Now, you don't want to remind them the minute they come in the door because then they don't get the chance to remember themselves. So you watch. Do they put the shoes up? Or do they drop them on the floor? If they drop them on the floor and leave them there, then, hey, bud, remember, we put the shoes in the closet. Let's do that. Okay. Come them put the shoes away. I need you to remember this for yourself tomorrow. How are you going to remember? So, and then you kind of scaffold that process. So, and then if, when they come in and do put the shoes away, this is the big one, right? When they do do what we expect or what we would like, then we give some positive feedback. You remember to put your shoes away into the closet when you came home. That is very responsible. Thank you so much. That positive feedback. They get that attention for that positive feedback. So you, uh, these are some ways you can scaffold that. If you want to learn more about emotional regulation, emotion skills, social skills, potty training, any of these areas that you're struggling with, bedtimes, meal times I have 60 classes on the website at yourvillageonline.com. You can check those out there. Also, I am in the process of really working on getting out a lot more content on Instagram. So I've been working on this pretty hard, actually, for the last couple of weeks, getting all my technology up and ready so that I can start posting more, had a really rough day yesterday with technology. I won't get into it. But if you want to follow on Instagram, it's your village online. I will be creating more and more content, putting up there video tips and that kind of thing. I'm really excited to get this out. Working out the final kinks so that I can start posting a lot more content on that Instagram account. Thanks for listening and see you next week.